The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this morning I want to talk to you about being a pillar in your church. A pillar, and by a pillar I mean a support, I mean a foundation, something that can bear the load and the weight of the building. And so I want to speak to you this morning about being a pillar in my church. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's begin reading uh, at verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. You know, so often in churches people don't labor together, they they work against each other. That's, that's too often the case. People are working against each other rather than laboring together. Uh, read on. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For, no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this time we have together. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give me the words to speak and that everything that we do and say today would, would be a blessing to your people. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a little comfortable having the teenagers with us today. I, I taught teenagers for so many years. I, I'm much more comfortable speaking to teenagers than I am adults, but it's nice having them with us this morning. It kind of makes me feel at home a little bit. So that's great. So <clears throat> for the thir- last 13 lessons that I preached, we were talking about the Great Commission. And we looked at all of the many immutable truths of the Great Commission. All those things that are put in place and are the work of God himself. And, and you and I have, have literally nothing we can do to affect that work. It's things that God set in motion, things that God uh, established in his, in his power and in his authority. But this morning, we're going to switch gears now, and I want, to, I want to begin a series on the human component of the Great Commission. That's you and me. On the parts of the Great Commission that we do have responsibility to, and that we, by our action or our inaction, can affect. Um, and that's where I was going to launch off this morning, but I erased it, so we don't have it. But I'm going to speak to you this morning about... Leading into that, I want to talk to you first of all about the foundational truth of, of you and I as members of the church. Uh, what, what are our greatest responsibilities? So this morning, I'm, I'm, and this morning as we sit here, really, those of you that are in this room are the backbone of Berean Baptist Church. Uh, the people that will get up on Sunday morning early and get dressed and get ready and come to Sunday school, those are the backbones of the church. Those are the people upon which God will build the work. So you this morning are the backbone of our church. But my question is, are you a pillar in the church? Now, being a pillar in the church is what I've desired to be since the day I was saved by the grace and irresistible calling of my Savior. Um, From the moment I was saved forward, I have desired strongly to be a foundational member of my church, wherever that church is. Uh, when I was in Louisiana, I, I served that church. I was, I, I was dedicated to that church. When I moved to California, uh, the same thing. I, I immediately, I didn't, I didn't wait. When I got here, I immediately got busy serving in the church and, and taking on responsibility and leadership. 
a pillar in our church. Is, is this your desire this morning? I don't want you to raise your hands or anything, but I'm asking you a question. Do you desire to be a pillar in your church? Do you desire to be the kind of Christian that your pastor can depend on, that the people can depend on? Do you desire to be the type of Christian that uh, will, will carry the load of the work of the church and, and won't complain and won't grumble and won't gripe, won't look for things to criticize, but look for ways to improve that which is being criticized? That, is that the kind of person you want to be this morning? Do you have a desire to be a support upon which this church rests? Now, <laughs> engineers, uh, when they design a building, they seek to distribute the burden of that building. They, they, they try to, to dis- distribute the, the load upon that building uh, to as many supports as possible. Uh, in fact, the optimum design is one that distributes this load as evenly as possible to each point of support so as not to overload any one point. Brian's father, uh, Don Petro, was a, was a builder. And I'm sure he'd understand this principle if I mentioned it this morning. Uh, my father was a builder. I was a builder. And when we built things, we tried to, we tried to provide as much support and to share the main load of the, of the building to as many supports as possible, evenly to, to share the load. In addition to this, a building support is only as strong as the foundation upon which it rests. I mean, if you, you can, you can build supports and you can distribute the load of the, of the building and you can do all these things, but if there's no foundation to support the supports, then you still have nothing. <clears throat> now, as we read just a moment ago, what is our foundation? Can anyone tell me from, from the scriptures we read? What is our foundation? Our foundation is Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you there's no greater foundation. If we build our lives upon Jesus Christ, our lives will never crumble. Our lives will never, will never meet with disaster. Jesus said if we build our house upon a rock, the storms will blow and, 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 and all these things will happen. But the house will be secure. So this morning, you need to understand, your life must be built on Jesus Christ. As a child of God, you must get your mind and your heart out of the world. We can't build our lives upon our careers. We can't build our lives upon our financial securities. We can't build our lives on anything apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I would like to remind each of us of our responsibilities to the local church. And in honoring these responsibilities, we will become pillars in our church. We will become the kind of Christians that God can depend on, the kind of Christians that our pastor can depend on, and the kind of Christians that our fellow Christians can depend on. So let's begin with number one today. What are our responsibilities? Well, number one, (coughs) excuse me, we have a responsibility to leadership. Number one on your study sheet, the blank is the word leadership. We have a responsibility to leadership. Now, if you want to turn to these scriptures, they're listed there. You can turn to them as quickly as possible. Uh, But let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 if you you can, and we'll look at verse 12. We find here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 that Paul states to Timothy, he says, Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, 
in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now when he says here, let no man despise thy youth, he's not primarily talking about about, um, Timothy being a young man, although Timothy is a young man. What he's talking about is foolish behavior. What he's telling Timothy here is, Timothy, don't give people an occasion to be critical. Don't give them opportunities to criticize you by foolish behavior, by careless behavior. Now, by the statement, we have a responsibility to leadership. I'm not simply implying our responsibility to follow leadership. Although we do, and we will discuss this later in the study. What I am in fact stating is that we have a responsibility to exhibit leadership. Not simply follow leadership, but exhibit leadership. You and I are to be leaders. Paul called it an example. He told Timothy, he told Timothy not to, not to, let, not to let men despise his youth by his actions, but to be an example. So we are called to be leaders. Whether we want to or not, all of us are leaders. How many, how many grandparents do we have in this room today? Raise your hands if you're a grandma or a grandpa. Yeah, I'm a grandpa. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. My little grandson, he loves me. And he looks at me and he, he, he looks up to his grandpa. Do you know, do you realize that the things that I do will affect him? The things that, the decisions I make, the actions I take, will be implanted into his little mind, and they will affect him in his future. How many parents do we have here? How many moms and dads? Raise your hand. Moms and dads. Even if your children are adults. I, my children are adults. But you know what? I'm still, I'm still a daddy. And I'm, I'm, that makes me a leader. I'm still a leader. I, my children still look at me. You know, it's no secret what my wife and I are going through right now and for the last couple of years with our finances. You know, I could just throw in the towel, I could give up, and I could quit. But what, if, what would I be teaching my children? Even though they're adults, what would I be teaching them? What would I be teaching them if I became bitter at God and said, God, you promised and you're not fulfilling your promise, which, by the way, he is. Maybe God never promised to give me T-bone steaks and driving Lexus and all these things, did he? He just promised to give me what I needed to survive. So... We are leaders, all of us. We are all leaders, whether we want to be or not. We are leaders. Yes, we're all followers as well, but we all have the power of leadership. And this is the power of influence. And we have been given this power by God. And this power is given that we may accomplish the work that he has called us unto. So how can we use this power of influence to serve God today? I want you to listen to me as I give you some things to help you and I become the leaders God wants us to be. Number one, letter A, be an example today in living. Be an example in living. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10 states that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul tells us to walk worthy, to live our life worthy of the name of God. Our lives will reveal our true heart and nature. You know, you can say one thing, but what you do really reveals what you really are. People can say, oh, I love God, but do you really? 
Are you faithful to his church? Are you faithful to serve him? Are you faithful to do all those things he's commanded you to do? Because if you truly love him, then you will be. So you may say you love him, and I don't, I'm, I'm not calling you a liar, but your actions speak louder than your words. And we can tell whether you really love God or not by the actions that we see in your life. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11 says, Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Even a child. We can, we can look at a child and tell what kind of child he really is. And we can look at you and tell what kind of Christian you really are. So we must be aware of this, that we need to be an example in how we conduct our lives and in our living. Uh, let me give you a statement. It's on your study sheet. Let your faith be seen by your life. Let your faith be seen by your life. I, I, I've seen many people that tell me they're believers and tell me they have faith, but I, wouldn't, I, I can't see it by the way they live their lives. And I'm not trying to judge them. But the Lord did tell us we would know men by their fruits. We would know them, whether they're his children or not, by the way they conduct themselves. So let your faith be seen by your life. Then let her be, be an example in love. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus states, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We are to be an example in love. One who is loved must exhibit love in return. The Bible says, uh, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. And, and if we truly love, then we'll exhibit love in our lives. Um, I have a debt to my brother because of the love shown to me by Christ. Every one of you sitting here today, now... I fail at this just as everyone else does at times in my life. But I have the responsibility because Jesus loves me, I'm to love you in the same way. Because Jesus has forgiven me, I'm to forgive you in the same way. We're not to go through life carrying grudges and and being hurtful and hateful. And and I'm not standing here professing myself to be perfect at this. Uh, I come from a... My father was a man who had a bad temper. I have, I had a bad temper. I've, I've gotten better at controlling it, but I still at times uh, am like that, and it's not the way we ought to be. We should reflect the same love towards each other that God shows to us. I've thought about that often in my life. Has God's never given up on me, even though I failed him repeatedly? How, how quickly we give up on people. But God has never given up on me. And if anybody deserves to be given up on, it's, it's me. So we must remember this. We, got, we need to be an example in our love to one another. Paul said in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. I'm, I shouldn't be indebted to you for anything but to give you the love that God has given to me. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Let me give you this statement. On, it's on your sheets. Let God's love be seen by your own. Let God's love be seen by your own. Just real quickly, parents, forgive your children when they do wrong. Because you're an example to them of God. And if you want them to understand, grow up and understand that God forgives them, then they need to see that in you. You need to be an example to them of love. When they do wrong, discipline them, yes. Correct them, yes. But do it, do it with love. And do them and make sure they understand that you love them, that you're not angry at them. Don't ever correct a child in anger. When you're mad, don't, don't discipline them. 
Send them to their room and you go apart and pray about it and talk about it with the Lord and think about it and get yourself under control before you go to them. Because God never treats us with anger, does he? He never he never comes to us in, 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 in anger or wrath. We're his children. He loves us and he exhibits that. And we're to show that example by our own. But then let her see on your sheets this. Be an example in liberty. Be an example in liberty. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All things, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now we have not been made free so that we can sin at will, have our fun, do all the things we want to do. We're not made, we're not made free for that, uh, for that cause. We're made free so that we can become the servants of God. We're given liberty. We're free from the law. We're free from the law of, of sin and death. We're free from our sin. All these things, we're, we're set free from these. We're, we're free from death and, and, and the grave. We're free from hell. But all these things are done so that we might have the liberty to serve the Lord with our lives and, and, and to be servants of God. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, by members he's talking about your eyes, your tongue, your feet, your hands. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We're free. Yes, we are. We're, we're, we're set free from all those things I talked about. But we actually, I, I preached a message a couple of months ago on Sunday night. You might remember it. Maybe you don't. Uh, it was entitled freed but enslaved i'm set free so i can become a slave that's that's exactly what it is i'm set free from the world from the sin from death from hell and i'm a, i'm a prisoner i'm a slave unto the lord jesus christ he purchased me he bought me and my liberty i'm to be an example in how i live my life with the liberty that i've been given so let me give you this statement let your freedom be seen by your submission to God. Let your freedom be seen by your submission to God. And we are set free. We are at liberty, but we are, we are bound. We are enslaved unto God. And we're to be an example of that to, to other believers, to those in our lives, our children, our grandchildren, our, our fellow Christians. We're to be an example. So first, a pillar in the church is, is one that assumes the role of a leader in his church. He, he, he accepts the responsibility of leadership that he has been given, that he would be an example of all these things in his life to other people. But then secondly, this morning, if we will be pillars in our church, number two, we have a responsibility to loyalty. Not only to leadership, but secondly, to loyalty. <coughs> Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you would. And let's look at verse number 9. We read here, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me. Isn't that sad? Think about the Apostle Paul. And think about all that he endured and all that he did for the Lord. And then think about how treacherous it is that someone forsakes him 
You know, there's nothing more disheartening. There's nothing more treacherous than when a person forsakes you. I think there's nothing. I think there's nothing in the world more despicable than a man who forsakes his children and forsakes his wife and his family. That's not that's not a man. And 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 we're to, we're not to, to to forsake those that God has put in our lives is a horrible thing. Let's read on. Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens, another of his of his fellow servants, forsook him also to Galatia. Titus even forsook Paul unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now earlier I stated that we do have the responsibility to be followers. And this is the emphasis of this point this morning. Is that we are to be followers. And as followers, we are to exhibit loyalty. Now loyalty is defined as fidelity. It's defined as careful and exact observance of duty or performance of obligations. So if we're to be loyal this morning with that in mind, where should our loyalties rest? Where should our loyalties, you and I, rest this morning? Well, let me give you some thoughts. First, letter A, our loyalty should rest in the word of God. In the word of God. In Psalm 119 and verse 11, we read, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Young people in this room this morning, you should be more loyal to the word of God than you are to any video game, than you are to any television program on the face of this earth. Your love, respect, and loyalty to read, study, and adhere to God's word should be first and foremost in your life. And anything that would detract from that is something that you should not be involved in. I've told teenagers many times, anyone who would come to you and try to drive a wedge between you and your parents is not your friend. Avoid people like that. Stay away from them. They're, they're no good and they're going to harm you. The Bible says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And I've seen so many young people coming from good Christian home destroyed because they put their loyalties in a friend more than they did in the word of God. Every young person in this room should spend time in God's word every day. Every adult in this room should spend time in God's word every day. So our first loyalty then should be in the word of God. Our loyalty should always be given to truth. And God's word is truth. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, we read, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And when you and I avail ourselves to the word of God, we will be sanctified in truth. So let me give you, let me give you a, a, another thought here. It's on your study sheets. Do not change God's word to fit your life. Change your life to fit God's word. Why do we have so many Bible translations today? Because men keep looking for a Bible that will say what they want it to say. And if one doesn't exist, then they'll write one themselves. Don't, don't try to change the word of God. Don't try to justify your actions in life by twisting the word of God. Change your life to conform to God's word. Because God's word is true. And then letter B here, in our responsibility to loyalty, we should be loyal in the work of the ministry. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, we read, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man 
can work. Jesus said, I must work the works of God. We must be loyal in the work of the ministry. Paul gave up all that he owned. He gave up all that he had. He gave up all that he hoped for, for the privilege of serving God. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, we read, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Matthew 16, 25 states, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now listen, we get, we get all wrapped up in, 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 in problems and things of life, and it's very easy, it's very easy to forget about God. It really is. But we must learn that our loyalties are to be given to the work of the ministry, the works of the local church. And the church should be of vital importance to us. Not just, not just something we do, but, but it should identify who we are and what we are. Let me give you another statement. Real life is found in the path of serving God. Real life is found in the path of serving God. Let me, tell you, let me say, a Christian who's not serving God is not, is not living a, fu- a fulfilling life. You, you won't truly be happy, ever. You'll always have something to complain about. You'll always have something to gripe about. But when you, when you, just, when you just invest your life in serving God, that's real life. There's real joy and real happiness. And then letter C in our study sheets. We're to invest our loyalties in the wisdom of God's man. In the wisdom of God's man. Now, I'm not trying to exalt preachers above God. I'm not trying to exalt them above any other man. But God blesses his men. And he gives his men wisdom. Now, be careful because guys like Joel Olstein and men like that... that I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't follow their directions to cross the street. But when you've got a man of God who loves God and it's evident in his life, like we have, you, you be loyal to that man and you be loyal to the wisdom that God has given him. 1 Timothy 5.17, we read, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who, lab- those who labor in the word and doctrine. All that needs to be said here is said best in Scripture. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. My statement here is this. God blesses those that honor and obey his preachers. Over the years, I've learned that if I follow the counsel and advice of the man of God, there's safety in that. There's safety in, 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 in the wisdom that God gives his men. And then if we're going to be pillars in our church, number three, we have a responsibility to longevity. To longevity. Let's, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. <coughs> 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered... And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul didn't give up. He didn't quit. And if anyone had reason to quit in Scripture, it was Paul. But he didn't. He finished what 
he started. A pillar in a building cannot falter. If the, if the supports under these two major beams here, if the support holding up these two major beams break, what's going to happen to this building? It's going to come down. Now, if a, if a, if a stud over here or over there or over here breaks down, we're okay. But these are the main supports of the building. Over there, right here, right here, and over there. These can't falter. If they falter, the building's coming down. So we, we must understand that. And so it is with you and I tonight. If we will be pillars in our church, then we must endure. We must persevere. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, we read, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The danger to the church is when the pillars begin to falter. With each pillar that falls, the stability of the church becomes weaker. This is a very simple engineering principle. Weaken, weaken enough support and you will collapse the building. That's, that's exactly what happened to the World Trade Center on 9-11. Weaken enough support in the building and it will collapse. Osama bin Laden was an engineer. He knew that. And that's why he used airplanes to crash into the center of the buildings and, and corrupt the center supports. Because he knew that if he could, he knew that he couldn't do anything to bring the building down, uh, any other way other than to weaken the support and cause it to collapse. And the devil knows that too. He knows that the only way he's going to hurt the church is if he can attack you, the support, the pillars. If he can get enough of you to fail, if he can get enough of you to quit, he can bring down the whole building. Now, in closing here this morning, what can we do to promote longevity in our Christian life? Let me give you three things and we're done. Letter A, determination. Determination. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Daniel, Daniel determined that he was not going to do wrong. He didn't hope he would be able to endure. He determined that he was not going to quit. It takes determination. If you're going to last for Christ, if you're going to continue for the Lord, the one thing, one of the things you can do as a human, uh, in your human component, is to determine that you're going to succeed. Determination. Number two, letter B, dedication. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Listen, don't draw upon your own wisdom and experience in times of turmoil in your life when it's time to make decisions. Where do you go? You go to God's counsel. You go to God's word. And you do exactly what he tells you to do. You be dedicated to obedience to God. Don't lean unto your own understanding. Don't trust in your own wisdom. It's fallible. Trust in the wisdom of God, which is infallible. And then thirdly, what can we do? Diligence. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, we see that here. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Don't get lazy in watching over your Christian life. Don't get lazy. When we become lazy... When we, when, we, when we neglect our, our time with God's word, when we neglect our time in prayer, when we, when we neglect to, to keep our heart and mind focused on the Lord, 
that's when the devil creeps in, and that's when he gets us and we, we end up in a mess. Be diligent. Diligently seek the Lord and his counsel. What are we going to do? Are we going to be a pillar in Berean Baptist Church? Well, if we are, we're going to have to exhibit leadership. If we are, we're going to have to exhibit loyalty. And if we are, we're going to have to exhibit longevity. We're going to have to keep on keeping on for Christ. All right, folks. I went a couple of minutes over. You can tell I'm really disturbed by that. So thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.